What's up, Game Changers? I'm Devin Taylor, and this week's episode is one I think you're really going to enjoy. Today, we're hosting Solomon Rogers, Global Director of Innovation for Magnopus. We're talking all things AR, VR, AI, and a bunch of other acronyms that are shaping the future of the way we interact with the world. Then in our retro section, we're bringing on Chris Charles, Executive Creative Director here at 21 Grams. Chris, in many ways, gave 21 Grams the bug to explore gaming, and he's here to talk about the partnership between creative, tech, and why staying on the bleeding edge of both is critical to the very way we manage our own health. I am super jazzed to have my guest, Saul Rogers, on today. Saul is the Global Director of Innovation for Magnopus, and he joins us from across the pond in the UK. Saul, welcome to Game Changers of Health. We are so happy to have you. It's my absolute pleasure for being here. Thanks for the invite. Of course. So tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for letting me come along and talk to you guys today. So I'm Saul Rogers. I help run a company called Magnopus. We're based out of Los Angeles in London. It's actually North London, but London's close enough. And um, there's about 200 of us globally, and we work in the intersection between creativity and art. And often that means we work in the entertainment space, but we believe that everybody's in the entertainment space, whether you're a logistic company, a healthcare company, a big studio, and we help companies create content experiences. Sometimes they look like apps. Sometimes they look like virtual reality. They Sometimes they look like virtual production for big feature films. And we work with the likes of Meta and NASA and Disney and Sony and you name it in between. So we've got plenty of big brands that we work with. And on the side, we do lots of really cool things with different uh, organizations and charities such as, you know, the Great Ormond Street Hospital or um, HMLA and you, you name it in between. So we're in that kind of interesting space of helping people make cool stuff. Wow. And what was the impetus to get into this space? What was it for you that initially drove you to explore interactivity and immersion? Um, I So for me personally, I used to be a university professor teaching animation, games, and visual effects. And I thought I'd start a company because it can't be that hard. I was wrong. It's really hard, <laughs> really, really hard. Um, but what I had realized is that all of the tools that we used across visual effects and games, movie making and TV shows are all kind of the same and they were getting converged. And when the first VR headset came out of the recent ilk, you know, uh, the first DK1s from Oculus, I was super inspired to see that we had, for the first time in a long time, a new medium, a new format, a new way of communicating, of telling stories, of sharing information and sharing knowledge. And so I, we ran at that really, really fast. And what we found is we had a real unique point of view and an ability to tell stories in that space when instead of watching a film you were in the film instead of you know playing a game with you know a controller you were in there with your hands grabbing and running around and so we did a lot of big high profile projects within that space we helped launch Jaguar's electric car we helped um, the Dubai Expo create a digital twin of the entire site and so within that space we've realized that all of this new format of it, you know, lean forward, active participant content, it's all game design. It's all games. You just try not to say the word games because it scares clients because they don't want to make a game. It's all game design. You know, a feedback loop and interactivity, a button that you press, you know, a quiz that you take, it's all game design. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, clients being scared of that term gaming, how 
How have you gotten around that? And do you have an, an anecdote that you can talk about where you change someone's opinion about the space and it's helped kind of chart a course for their company, perhaps moving forward? Yeah. So we use game engines a lot, you know, a real time engine such as Unreal Engine or Unity or Play Canvas. You need a 3D construct to create this interactive layer, whether it ends up being 2D or linear or active or VR, there's a game engine inside of it. And for a long time, we just said real-time engine or real-time renderer, because you say game engine, everyone got really nervous. Isn't that something what my teenage kids did? And the reality is it that it's the power, it's the power powerhouse behind it, every type of content. Even the 2D websites we run are running in some sort of engine as well. And case in point, when we worked with Favreau and his team on The Lion King, we created a digital twin of their entire location. And in fact, it was 100% digital. So Pride Rock and Serengeti and everything else and all the lions were there. And we used VR headsets to put on the director, the cinematographer, the DOP, so they could all stand on location as if they had really gone there and, you know, do their traditional thing of going and finding a shot, directing this, moving the camera around, putting a dolly in, putting a jib in. And what we'd really just made is a game called The Lion King Movie. Massive, you know, a multiplayer game called right. The Lion King Movie with lots of players on it. And their game was to shoot a movie. <laughs> so, wow. uh, and only later in, in, you know, after we finished the project, did we begin to talk about it in that way? Because the reality of it, if you told you we're going to make you a game called making a movie, everyone would have kind of kind of freaked out. But we're just going to give you an ability to stand on Pride Rock and shoot your movie digitally. Right, right. What was the response from the crew? I mean, had they ever been a part of something like that before? No, this was kind of the first rodeo for most people. And in fact, even now, when you step forward into the next iteration of this technology, where you go to, instead of 100% digital, you say, let's keep the character, the humans real, but the digital backdrop is using a big LED volume. So virtual production, such as the Mandalorian and everything else. Um, what we did for you know that technology and that thinking process was Favreau's team wanted to put the actors in VR headsets. And then we were going to be able to paint visual effects, paint the headsets out. And I said, mm -hmm. well, you know, what if we just made one giant headset? Wow. And everyone stands inside it. Well, oh, yeah, that's a giant LED single screen. And then you can put these people. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it was just like an iteration of that. And what we as a business have been so good at is just really trying to solve hard problems with the best creative technology set that's out there. And their hard, hard problem, and the hard problem of that entire industry is some incredibly talented people using traditional techniques and processes that need to evolve to be enabled and empowered by the next set of, set of tools and creativity. So how can we take an incredible cinematographer and take away, you know, C++ programming and 3D and polygons and ray tracing and here's a light, is <laughs> is the camera here's a brightness and intensity and a color you just do what you normally do you know what you want to use we'll take away the tech and just give you the ability to use your creativity and skill set to create whatever content you want and that really was our unlock of like let's give people the tools and understanding of processes they know instead of trying to make them use them digitally we're just going to kind of hide them underneath and give them traditional tools Wow, that's incredible. And already my head is spinning with the applications for healthcare, right? Which is which is our business and thinking about virtual doctor visits, but to the 
nth degree yeah. and, and what that could look like. But, you know, I, we've talked previously, curious to have you go back and, and you listed some of the organizations you work with in healthcare. But what is your blue sky view of where tech like this can intersect with healthcare? I've, I've got a strong opinions and I think some healthcare professionals that we've spoken about before, it's a little early, but I, I think there's a really interesting near future where the current technologies that we have in front of us, 2D flat ones, enhanced by some of the new ones, virtual reality, mixed reality with the, you know, the new Apple Vision Pro headset, changes the dynamic of how we think about space and how we think about uh, interacting with different locations. So the hospital at the moment, most healthcare professionals is something we go to in an emergency. We go to when everything has gone wrong. And there is so much time and effort and spent in the architecture, the user-centric design, the processes to you know set a hospital up or a location up. All that can be instantly digitized and all the thinking can stay the same. But you now can access not only the people that you know, are nearby, but you could access anybody in the world, could come to that location, that medical center from anywhere immediately. And it could be an infinite number of people. So what if you could expand the hospital outside of the hospital to preventative care, mm -hmm. to nutrition, to wellness, to healthcare, to mental health, to anything that you want to, like, this is something that we, we hope we never see you, but come and interact with us prior to it. And what if my digital records are completely held within that site and there's a living digital twin of me like my last mris and ct scans and everything else driven by live cardiovascular from the heart rate monitor and the o2 oxygen thing so my health records are always live being analyzed by some low level ai to say hey look i've seen you haven't done any movement in a bit your heart rate's dropped we really think you should do this like it doesn't even have to have someone so there's a whole like digitization prior to what we get there let alone if you ever come to this location, you already know about it, you've met everybody, we know you inside out, literally. Right. And then post, what rehab, we know people do not engage with rehab, yet it's the most important thing to do. Just gamify it. Mm -hmm. People love playing Beat Saber or any type of physical movement mm -hmm. game. And we can dial in any type of you know movement you want from very small to very specific to very large and just making it fun to play. So using gamification loops, just make it so that rehab is fun yeah. and engaged or has a point system or has a leaderboard against the other patients or gives you a free holiday if you do it, like whatever the heck. Like you can change the approach to it, let alone, you know, virtual visits, virtual doctor visits and everything else that could kind of come from that. I think there is always, often a challenge from the healthcare industry that, the pushback is like, well, it's not for my patients. It's not for the people, you know, it's hard enough getting people to like fill in a form or use video chat to connect. They're not going to connect with this new tech. My challenge to that is that the next generation of humans that are coming through are expecting everything to be digitally native, digital first, always on. They do not understand, you know, <laughs> as someone said to, you know, their teenage son last week was like, they saw an advert the other day on, on a TV program and they were shocked. They were like, what is this? Why am I, why is my program interrupted by someone selling me like some cereal? Like, right. <laughs> what is this archaic commercial? Yeah. yeah. They don't get it. So 
the current swathes of people will you move through the healthcare system and sadly pass away because we all will at some point. <laughs> like we've only got 80, 90 years on this planet if we're lucky. And the next way that people coming through is going to bump into the healthcare system are going to want it to feel differently. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that when it comes to our health, and this is not novel or groundbreaking in any way, <laughs> but when it comes to our health, we're so much less willing to participate in things that will benefit us. And we need so much more encouragement and incentive. Whereas you'll go see a bad movie, right? Even if you know it's going to be bad, you'll go see it. And for the entertainment industry to embrace tech and advancements so much more rapidly from a bottom line perspective, probably, but also that just you know, curiosity and, and innate want to push the boundaries of art. I, I, I hope that what we're doing through this discussion and then what we're trying to do in the work that we have with our clients is, is the same thing. We have to adapt and change with not only the expectations, but the experiential benefits of what we have at our disposal. And healthcare just always seems to just be on the last page of that book so so often it's a huge challenge that we have about regulation and that it's needed but technology is moving faster than governments and regulators can mm -hmm. keep up with it just it just is the eu just published a report they're saying they're going to look into virtual worlds and web 4.0 which means that regulation will come to in quotes the metaverse and anything else within the next right. 12 to 18 months within that space and so i think that our challenge with healthcare system and and with health in general, is we are only in incredibly recently waking up to the fact that we all need to be healthier. And the governments, especially in the UK, we have a, you know the NHS, which is incredible, but we are doing a huge push for preventative care, for health, for wellness, to re re uh, reduce obesity, to take out smoking, yada, yada, yada. And it's just because the financial fact that it costs us $8 billion a year for people that are overweight. So it's cheaper for us to keep people healthier. It's not because it makes them live longer. I mean, that's a benefit of it. But it's financially better for the country to make people right. healthier. You're like, oh, yeah, that should just be normal. Like, we should just have that as a built-in thing. Humans, though, are incredibly lazy. We are built and designed to store energy so that when we need it for fight or flight or hunting things, we can use it, which is why when you do run after something, jog, run, lift weights, you get endorphins because it needs to feed you going, well done for chasing your food. That felt good, didn't it? Now, don't move until you next need to chase some food. Right. <laughs> and so we have this play between the wants and desires of being sedentary and not doing anything and eating much fat and sugar as you can for store and chasing stuff. Yeah. The reality is this is now our laziness is over-indexing and ruining it <laughs> because right. – we don't have to chase food anymore. Right. We can just be comfortable. So I think the gamification side of it and changing how humans interact with physicality, with nature and everything else plays into that kind of risk and reward center. And the games industry is so good at that, which is why all of the gamification has gone into everything else. If you think about Twitter, it's just a big game. and Very scary know, game. <laughs> Well, you know, and threads and Facebook and anything else. Number of likes, number of friends, what can right, I post, right. how many people interacted with it. You know, I'm playing a game of a version of myself, which is an avatar version of me, which only posts the good stuff that might get attention. 
So I'm playing a big digital game with that. And even work is a big game, you know. Sure. If I turn up and I clock in and I do this, then I get some credits and I can use those credits for doing it. Like, it's just like, oh, real world Farmville. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Within the entertainment industry, we have the same challenge. How do we engage people? How do we get them to part- participate? How do we get them to love a brand? How do we get them to stay connected to a community? It's all the same thinking. It's just yeah. with a different, a slightly different knowledge share or a slightly different product that we're trying to engage with, which I think is why it's so exciting that the recent change you used to have enterprise work, entertainment work, and right. they're completely different because when I'm at work, I do boring stuff and spreadsheets. And when I'm at home, I play video games and I, you know, mess around. Yeah. But actually the reason that Slack is so popular is because it's designed to be an entertainment product first. And we engage with it in a more casual way and it makes us work faster and better. And I think that shift will come through the healthcare industry as well, where we used to think that's the science lab scary place where people wear white coats and they are doctors. And there is the whole white coat syndrome where people see white coats and they get more anxiety and they get poorlier. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, we need to be more human about it. And we need to right. know that obviously professionals are there. But that same thinking of, Entertainment, gamification, user-centric design should be across everything, all parts of our lives. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's incredibly important. And I think the more we can create experiences that are authentic to the end user, the more engagement we're going to see. I'm curious for for the work that that you've done in the past and and what you all are working on now, where the art side of it. So the the making things beautiful, the making them uh, feel and look real. How, how do you even begin? Like, do you just have a blank kind of sandbox that you're like, all right, we're going to build this world. And unlike a Mandalorian or Lion King, where you've got that idea in your mind, if you're working for someone who's never had a virtual space before, they've never had brick and mortar. How do you start that process? Uh, that's usually the most fun and scary ones because you're standing something up where you could build anything. Right. You could build any environment from a castle to like an underground lair to a future sci-fi spaceship or whatever you want it to be. And what we normally do is actually work back from the audience. Like, who do you want to talk to? Like, who's coming to this place? Right. And what type of person are they? And what type of things do they do for a living? And what and what sort of things that pulls the rest for their time in other ways? What else are they doing? And then we can craft worlds that engage with those people in a way. And it may be super stylized, really cartoony. Or it might be really photorealistic, or it might be high action, or it might be just really calm and mellow. And so you get to the audience first. Once you know the audience, then everything else just stacks up behind that audience. The hardest thing is when they say everybody, and you're like, okay, well, we'll do five different things, you know, different <laughs> gender, and then we're going different languages around the world. Like it's, it gets really difficult yeah. very, really, really fast. Um, so you always think about the audience first and you work back from that. Who, who are you communicating with? And then also that drives the technology stack as well because certain demographics and certain audiences don't have access to high-end premium technology or others do. Yep. So you pick the right, the right technology stack, you create the right design, and then you start telling the stories that will hopefully resonate with them. And are you finding that more creatives you know, in 2023 are coming to you with experience in these immersive worlds versus a 
a 2D art director type person? Some, you know, and especially brands. Brands are moving really fast. They're having to get ahead of the curve, um, let alone where their audiences may go, which is like, we need to talk to this audience. They are all Fortnite players. Right. How do we build UFEN worlds? How do we get to these 400 million players? What do they care about? How do I create something which will resonate with them in an authentic way instead of being sold to? Because frankly, if you get it wrong with gamers, it's worse than doing nothing. Yes. yes. <laughs> it can, if it flips, so you really have to, you have <laughs> you have to, to get really, it right. You have to get it right. When you do, it works. Like, and they're grateful. And it's an incredibly strong community around whatever subject, um, whatever brand. And so within, within that space, when you pull all those people together and you've got all those worlds that you can go to, we always think about like where the tech stack ends up. Yeah. When brands do it right, it doesn't feel like advertising. It doesn't feel like messaging. It's, it's, it's so um, seamless and integrated. And that's when you really yeah. know you've done your job well. One that anecdotally, one that I thought was incredible. So the um, esports tournament in the UK around Dota 2, DHL, um, sponsored mm-hmm. it in the UK and I'm not sure if they did it in the US um, and they created a character in the game that would deliver you your upgrades and it would roll on and drop a sword or drop a potion or drop a whatever else on the screen and it got so popular that you know there was a whole stadium of like 20,000 people chanting DHL DHL D-. yeah because authentically they've added to the experience they've not just right. bolted on something to the side of it right you have to think about your audience. You have to think about the goals that you're trying to ultimately reach and the experience that's going to bring you from from A to B. Totally. Um, so I'd like to end with just, you know, where do you, it's such a big question, but like, where do you see things going? What are your, what would you love to build someday? What do you want people to walk away kind of knowing about this area of immersive entertainment and experiences that maybe they didn't know before yeah so i think a lot of people are getting bamboozled or distracted by the constant hype cycles of new technologies are rolling around you know virtual reality augmented reality xr vr mr ai 5g like there's just like the next acronym soup yeah tech stack that comes out and everyone just kind of gets a bit we're a bit tired by it the reality is that all of these technologies are lining up to become the next internet. They're all lining up into a new set of tools and a framework that allows humans to connect in a in a far, far better way than we have before. Um, within that connections, there are 3D worlds, there are online spaces, there is virtual reality, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that comes from it. Um, the big one I think everyone should really pay attention to is that we have had mixed reality headsets, which are augmented reality glasses, such as the Magic Leap or the HoloLens or anything else. But what Apple just announced with their Vision Pro headset is really the starting pistol for a new a new, new way of seeing the world. They're not saying take away and go somewhere else, but you can. They're saying we can add into the world and make it better. And within that headset, which is expensive and large and weighty at the moment, they are going to get smaller and smaller to the glasses that we have now. And the impact is just going to be not revolutionary, it's evolutionary to the human spirit. 
We are going to be an augmented human, a cyborg in some way, powered and enabled by a pair of glasses that can basically do real world magic. The world that I have around me could have you sitting across the desk from me having this conversation. It could have um, a digital pet dragon that's with me at all times. It could have a chef standing in my kitchen teaching me how to cook. It will replace every every flat screen around us will never be the same again. Like Sony, LG, Samsung will never sell a black box because the glasses can put screen on any resolution of any size on any device. And it will replace the Mac and the PC because they'll just be streamed in. It will replace the mobile phone. I just want people to understand that these glasses that seem like, oh, something interesting that Apple are looking at are such a fundamental change in how we will see the world and interact with each other that every business, every organization, should look at it seriously and have a look at how quickly it's going to come. I believe the wave is so big and growing so much that we can't see it. It's not like it's going to crash around us. It's like a tsunami. It's moving underneath us that Mm. it will change fundamentally every business practice. You see it for good, though. I see it for humanity, which is good and bad, because humans come with both in equal parts, sadly. (laughs) Um, I see it as a real opportunity for, for good. I think we have some challenges of society and nationality and globalization and capitalism that we need to wrestle with. But I think there's a real opportunity to connect humans better in a really interesting way that will help with a lot of societal impacts with climate change and everything else in between. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This has been Wonderful. I said this the first time we chatted. I'll say it again. I could spend hours chatting with you about all of this. And um, I think everyone's going to really benefit from from hearing what you had to say. Where can folks either check Magnopus out or you out? Where would you like to to plug today? (laughs) Uh, Just (laughs) come and find us at magnopus.com. And you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn anytime. Just Saul Rogers. Awesome. Well, Saul, thank you so much. And hopefully we'll have you back. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm so lucky today to be joined by Chris Charles, Executive Creative Director here at 21 Grams. Chris and I have had the pleasure of working together for the past few years. And Chris has, even before I joined, really spearheaded uh, thinking about gaming and healthcare and how the two come together. He's been a part of all of our gaming initiatives and projects, and we're super happy to have him on the podcast. So welcome, Chris. Oh, thanks. Hi. Hi. Glad to be here. Good. Uh, would you mind giving the folks at home a little bit of info about you? How did you get to 21 grams? What's your background? All that good stuff. Sure. Well, it all started when I was a little boy. <laughs> and no, I'm just kidding. With well, kind of when you think about gaming. But <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> the sock puppets only lasted so long. And then I had to go <laughs> to video games. But professional career, I started um, out at World Wrestling Entertainment, actually. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I got an internship there and spent four years there being an art director. And then, uh, yeah, I started uh, the consumer side of my career and went to Transformers, My Little Pony, Play-Doh from Hasbro Toys, then Bombay Sapphire, Dull Salads. And um, then I made the jump over to health and uh, pharma brands from you know blockbusters to rare diseases. That's pretty much it. How did you make that jump and what was it about healthcare that that sparked your interest? Well, everybody I talked to said, don't do it. Don't jump over to health. 
um, from a consumer side because it gets a bad rap. You know, mm-hmm. you see you see things on commercials, you know, every day, DTC stuff where it's pretty bad, to be honest, when you get out there, you know, let alone the major statement that you have to deal with that everybody makes fun of. Like right. SNL's made fun of it, what, a million times. But uh, it's just so regulated and so scrutinized that you really get a watered down kind of thing. You know, like, yeah, I don't even know if it's an idea anymore. It's a thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's there's a side to it where I grew up my, with uh, my mother was a nurse. So she went to college and uh, while I was, you know, a toddler and stuff. And I remember helping her study and, you know, while she was going back to school. And I don't know, I've always had an interest in, in health and helping people. And I think that's what you can do in business. So, um, yeah, I think that's where the, the initial interest came from. So where does 21 Grams then enter the scene for you? Well, it was, uh, I, I had a small stint at Big Arrow Group, which was a, a smaller healthcare agency where I met some great people that are across the industry now. And then I jumped over to CDM where um, I met my lovely partner, Lauren Polina, executive creative director as well. And then Frank reached out, um, Frank, Wendy, and Bob, and uh, reached out to me and Lauren, and the rest is history. We were one of the first creative hires at 21 Grams, and we launched it. That's amazing. And, you know, I'm still, I consider myself a newbie here two years in. And one of the things that attracted me to work here is this ethos of, of why healthcare arguably is the most important place to flex creatively, to get people to care, to get people to take action. Um, how do you live that every day? I'm sure it's not easy every single day to, to really dig into that ethos, but how do you try to, to live that? And, and why do you believe in that? That is a great question. Um, well, the first thing is you got to know your audience. Um, that is the first, first thing. Once you truly understand your audience, you're, you're empathetic, you know, you, you understand them and then you, you know, where they are what what they consume on a daily basis, you know, like what what really motivates them on a day to day. And then once you truly, truly, again, understand that you can pull those levers to to motivate them to to change behavior. You play where they play, really. Like we always ask questions about what are they watching, you know, mm-hmm. like Netflix and stuff or what are they what are they buying? But once we get all that information, then it's a lot easier to create something that has a hook or a creative hook that really grabs someone, grabs their attention, and then we make it surprising enough so they remember it and um, and act on it. Yeah. Well, it's a great segue to gaming because the whole reason we're here is we're not seeing a lot of gaming and healthcare activations. We're one of the very few agencies that lean into this space and believe in the power of it. So Let's take it back. First memory of video games. I know you're a big retro game lover as well. So what are you playing today? What do you love about gaming? And why are you excited to be working in this space too? Oh, wow. Um, Gaming has always been part of my life. And that's like before video games too, right? Like from 
you know, like you think about like hide and seek or manhunt mm-hmm. in the graveyard. Oh, um, man. And then Atari, Nintendo, G- Sega Genesis, PlayStation, GameCube, you know, all the way up to, to everything now. It's PS5 and, and Switch and everything. Um, I'm more of a console gamer for sure. I did grow up playing, you know, some video games like on uh, on the PC, like, and I was fighting fighting for a seat on the PC for like between my dad and my sister on who was going to play roller yeah. coaster tycoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was ridiculous because my dad usually won. We just watched uh-huh. him play. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's been part of my, my life. I understand the benefits to it. I like you have such a captive audience and such a passionate audience and it's so big now. It's so, so big. I don't have to tell you that, but I don't think a lot of people understand how big it is and the value of just playing in the space from a healthcare standpoint, like just be there, you know, like Mm -hmm. not saying create a game from scratch or anything. If you're just there and actually partake in it, you'll see the benefits. It's so rich. Yeah. What's been exciting for me to see is people that aren't familiar with the space really embrace it, learn about it, come into it. We see our clients having these big looks of surprise on their faces when they understand the the possibility. Um, wondering if you could just take another quick second to talk about the scale of gaming, because one misconception, as you were alluding to, is that every gaming activation has to be this multi-million dollar, we call it AAA, you know, franchise, your big blockbuster video games and and throwing a billboard in there or changing it or or getting an influencer who streams it. But I think what's interesting about what you're saying is just just be present. So just wondering how you talk to your teams about that, how you get the creatives kind of thinking about these activations and not focusing on the huge, giant, massive, seemingly impossible activations. Right. Like, I think scale is is good to talk about. I think when you think about gaming in general, and I know we've talked about this at, at 21 Grams a bit, of it doesn't necessarily have to be this mind-blowing, you know, free roaming thing that takes six years with 200 people to make. It's, um, it could be a board game. <laughs> it mm-hmm. could be a mobile game, um, a, a really mundane mobile game, but that does something, you know, like that maybe tracks something. Or like, I think... Um, it could be using streamers. It could be just just influencers. It could be use, partnering with Twitch like we have in the past. I think there's a lot of different sides to it. And um, just either going where your audience is, you know, while they're gaming and talking about your product is one thing. Or differently, maybe integrating the product into a game. Um, we talk about mods all the time. You know, like maybe that's a simple way mm-hmm. to uh, introduce your product or, or a disease state into a game. The thing is we... We all have health issues. We're all human, you know, and that massive audience, uh, gaming audience, you know, like say if it's on Twitch or whatever, like if you talk about these certain certain things that these health issues that relate to, you know, your audience while they're playing a game, there's ways to incorporate it and there's ways to make it feel natural and there's ways to make it feel surprising and fun. And that's when you get people um, get people's attention. And we've seen it in consumer yeah. And not to um, negate the, the the seemingly smaller, more mundane opportunities, because they can be so incredibly rich. 
But we are here to talk about the interview with Saul Rogers, right? And (laughs) what he's doing in AR and VR, it definitely blew my mind. I've kind of been an AR and VR skeptic for a long time. I didn't get, uh, you know, a quest for a really long time. And now I have one, but I I don't play it too much because it's heavy and bulky and gives me a headache. But when I do have those experiences, I love them. I get a lot out of them. So what he's doing and what he's talking about, the technology getting smaller and smaller and smaller and and that experience getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm wondering what what your kind of take as a creative on taking things from screen or from page and putting it into your augmented reality or putting it into this VR experience. What do you think of that? And, And how do you kind of plan in the years to come with how this technology is going to, in Saul's opinion, become way more mainstream than it is right now yeah what he says i i completely agree with um it is in the near near future you know from virtual mixed augmented you know all those different realities like it's all moving forward with ai like he mentions that all of these technology phrases they are all laddering up to one you know, one thing, <laughs> like the new internet, I think is a very, very good point. It's going to happen. And I think we we have to be on the cusp of it. We have to think about how we apply or apply ourselves to that. So we have people in place right now, 21 grams that, that kind of focus on that stuff. You know, we have creative technologists and you and kind of me, <laughs> but I think, you know, you guys are more in it and more um, focused on it. And I think keeping a pulse on that kind of stuff how people are using it, what the latest tech is and how it's going to influence other tech, I think is a, is a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. And I think I would assume that it's the clients that embrace the new and trust our partnerships to explore that, that are the ones that are going to be the first brand showing up in these spaces. I'm curious if there was anything that Saul said that surprised you. Well, when I worked with John Favreau, um, yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, what? Which franchise is that, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> it was a Mandalorian. No, oh, I'm nice. <laughs> um, but uh, no, when when Saul mentioned that, I love the way you put this, uh, when he mentioned that we will be augmented humans in the near future, that was extremely interesting because I never really heard of it like described that way maybe other people have but um very cyberpunk yeah but real but real like from holograms and floating video displays and you know all that stuff that in those movies in the 80s that shaped my childhood like back to the future and and, you know terminator yeah blade runner all that stuff like it's coming to fruition right um in a very very yeah i don't know maybe or disturbingly real way, but it's crazy, you know, to, to think about. So when he mentioned having virtual face-to-face conversations, like you and me right now, but you would be sitting right in front of me. Like, mm-hmm. that's interesting because then, you know, that would naturally like replace our Zooms and stuff like that. And I thought it was interesting when you're learning something, like when he's saying a cook in your kitchen that's teaching you how to cook I'm like or a chef like that's that's cool like for me I learn way way faster if someone's sitting with me working with me right right? like playing guitar an instrument anything like how fast are you gonna learn and imagine you have one of the best 
you know, instructors. You have Eric <laughs> with, Clapton yeah, teaching like you how teaching to play it. guitar. I don't right. know about that. He'd probably be, he'd probably be a dick. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Eric. Um, but um, yeah, but like, you know, like that's, that's pretty crazy. And then when you convert that to health, like, you know, from doctor visits to, you know, like, even mental health of like, imagine if you want, wanted to see your grandkids, but you live far away and they're having their birthday party, but you couldn't make it in. And you're actually on the couch watching them like light up right. when they open their presents and they can see you too. Yeah. That's the other side. It's uh, it's pretty magical to, to be honest. So I'm excited about that. That's so cool. And in terms of the healthcare angle, I'm sure because as you said, we're a very regulated industry and you talk about visits with healthcare practitioners virtually. I mean, even the uptick of Zoom during the pandemic, it took a little while and now it's table stakes. You have to continue to offer that, right? Even though we're Mm -hmm. technically post-pandemic. How do you think HCPs will respond? I think we talk a lot about DTC and especially in the gaming space, we, we see a lot of opportunity there, but you know, we do a ton as well with HCP Ed, and I, I see tremendous application here with them. But how do you think HCPs are going to feel when these opportunities start coming up for them to interact with their patients in this way? That is a good question. Um, I think in the industry, we always talk about HCPs as not being real people. <laughs> yeah. Huge misconception. Turns out yeah. they are human beings. Who knew? Some of them play video games. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them do. <laughs> Most of them um, do. But the the thing is, um, I think new technology like this may, you know, the stuff that Saul was talking about, I think that's going to, it will take a second for everybody to jump on. There's going to be the early adopters, obviously. And, you know, I feel like doctors in general have a shit ton on their plate all the time. Yeah. But that's not not really an excuse. It's like, I think they will adopt it. I think it'll just take a little longer. Um, I think it's going to be more challenging to talk about this new technology and the way things are changing, like w- with our with our clients. To be honest, like no mm-hmm. offense, clients, I love you, but um, <laughs> I, it's not just our specific clients, like one on one. It's the companies in general of like, hey, this has to go up the ladder. You know, say if it's a larger, you know, healthcare company of some sort, um, it has to go up, up, and up. Maybe there's a governance meeting about like, can we use this technology? I don't know. Is it safe? Is it, you know, and that stuff naturally takes longer, you know? So I think, you know, when you think about pharma and healthcare, everything is, I don't know, it it has been delayed a bit, you know, when you think about things in the consumer space because of regulations, I I would assume. But um, I think it's our job to keep fighting that good fight and putting stuff in front of our clients and HCPs and and patients or you know uh, consumers, and really like what we what we strive for at Twenty One Grams is really just looking at everything in advertising and like for instance on the consumer side, what's your favorite commercial or your favorite activation? Sure, maybe it uses the like best technology or the latest. Okay. That's the bar. It's not what we do in healthcare. Right. It's not like, oh, they did this half-assed kind of thing. You know, like mm-hmm. that's not the bar. The bar is, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, mischief or gut or, you know, these other agencies out there did that. We have to do stuff more like that and use that technology and convince our clients that it's worth it. So it's on us to push it. It may take a little bit longer, long story short, but, you know, 
it's up to us. We got to push it. Well, for our clients who are surely listening <laughs> or future clients that are surely listening, you know, if they walk away from this episode where we're talking, you know, with people that are like Saul that are developing these bleeding edge technologies, cu- talking with people that like you that are pushing creative teams to think more uh, <laughs> creatively, obviously, but also perhaps controversially in the space and, and how to push the boundaries. What do you hope they walk away from this episode thinking and feeling? I think don't settle is, is one is one point. It's um everything's changing you know it's always changing and it feels like it's at a it's at a more of a rapid rate right now so the main takeaway is know your audience inside and out trust your partners and and push on each other and make sure that you're giving the the audience what they're what they're craving what they're into you know and a lot of the times it, it, it will revert back to gaming, you know, that's, that's the point of it all. It's how do you show up in that surprising way where they already are, you know, and they're comfortable there. And if you make something that matches what they're into, they're going to glom onto it. They're going to get excited by it. And then your brand's going to be, you know, associated with that and it's going to be top of mind. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Chris. So as we wrap up, what's one thing, if you have to pick one thing that you really, really hope we get to make when it comes to this big, wide world of gaming, what would that be? Hmm. And why? Ooh, why? <laughs> he got me with a why. Um, Strategist. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, there's so much to do um, in, in gaming, but you know, and obviously it would be nice to have a dream partner of, you know, a large, large gaming studio and make that full fledged roaming experience kind of, you know, game, right. The things that I play, but I think it would be pretty interesting to make. And I mentioned this before the mundane, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it'd be very, very interesting to make something so fucking, fucking mundane that, that uh, but but it's so addicting at the same time and it actually helps someone's health in a way like you know how we we're just endlessly scrolling through stuff over yeah. and over again but if you make some cheesy game whatever it is maybe it's not cheesy, maybe it's beautiful or whatever but mm-hmm. it's uh no you know what maybe it is cheesy maybe it's like slicing cheese over and over and over again and like, <laughs> but then that we make that correlate like if someone plays that 15 minutes a day for the rest of their life they live five years longer like right. that would be pretty cool that would be a good goal so that would be pretty cool if uh, my teams are listening to this that's your brief cheese slicer listen up <laughs> Um, I, that's awesome. And I think it's one area we actually didn't touch on, which is our focus here too, of the therapeutic benefits of gaming. I know you and I both have benefited from that and why gaming is so important to us in part is the way it makes us feel the way it, it helps uh, us check out or, or, or relax or get motivated. And so finding those ways and more and more, we're seeing this in research that's coming out and physicians that are investing in digital therapeutics those benefits, whether it's physical therapy, mental health, or something systemic, I don't quite know how that will work yet. But I think it's coming. And the more we can be prepared for it and open to it, I think the better we'll all be. So oh yeah. Hell yeah. But with moderation, though, don't want to game all day long. That's right. That's right. 
Yes, it's good advice even till this day. Chris Charles, Executive Creative Director, 21 Grams. Thank you so, so much for being on Game Changers of Health. Thank you for the support in growing this incredible discipline. And hopefully you'll come back sometime. We'd love to chat again. Hell yeah. If I didn't screw it up, I would love to come back. Well, Thanks. We'll let the listeners let you know. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll check the comments. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank right. you, Chris. Thank you. I really enjoyed chatting with Saul and Chris today, and I hope you enjoyed everything we covered. Stay tuned each and every month for new episodes of Game Changers of Health. And as always, you can reach out to us for questions, comments, and to suggest topics at gamechangersatrealchemistry.com. You can also reach us at Real Chemistry, and we're looking forward to another few episodes to round out our very first season. As always, game on. Game on.